afternoon, or evening, wherever or whenever you are, ladies and gentlemen. This is Sports Crunch with D. Crom. I am your host, David Cromwell. And when you hear me say these words, we will only be a week and a half away from the 2021 NFL Draft. And we are getting closer than ever to our annual spring Christmas, spring Hanukkah, football festivus, whatever you want to call it. And thus, we continue tonight with our annual Dash to the Draft Divisional Tour with a stop in arguably the most blue-collar division in the NFL. The play style of this division perfectly resembles the hard-working, hard-hat areas these teams represent, and I am talking about the AFC North, and joining us to discuss what the Bengals, Browns, Ravens, and Steelers should and should not do when they're on the clock. It is a pleasure to welcome back our good friend Bill Carroll of Nuts and Bolts Sports back to the show. What's up, Bill? Uh, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Uh, this is, I'm not going to pretend otherwise, my favorite time of year. Uh, yeah, I don't get much sleep uh, between, you know, trying to keep up with my familial obligations and my actual day job and then spending my nights and early mornings doing draft stuff. But I love it. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I wouldn't trade it for anything either. And uh, without further ado, let's get down to business here, starting with the Cincinnati Bengals and uh This draft is all about helping their new franchise quarterback, Joe Burrow. And given how much Burrow was hit last season, plus the multi-ligament knee injury he suffered in part because of those hits, many, if not most, believe that it is a no-brainer, an absolute no-brainer, for the Bengals to take an offensive tackle with the fifth overall pick, whether that be Panay Sewell or Rashawn Slater. However, recent buzz has the Bengals going with Joe Burrow's favorite target at LSU, Jamar Chase, with that fifth overall pick. In your view... Would it be a mistake for the Bengals to pass on the urgent need to protect Joe Burrow with their first-round selection? In a word, yes. Um, and I, like everyone, I love Jamar Chase. He's going to be a terrific NFL wide receiver. But you get more options to do lots of different things on offense when you can protect your quarterback and run the football because Penesul really is a better run blocker than he is past, uh, a pass uh, blocker. I mean, he's... He's a project, a little bit, frankly, in, in pass protection, though he's such a good athlete, I don't think he'll pick it up. It's in the run game where he's a devastating, just, you know, Hulk kind of force of nature. So you have an improved run game. You'll be protecting your quarterback. And, of course, the run game helps to protect your quarterback. So I would go with Sewell if it were, if it were me. Uh, you can make a case for Chase, but – I just feel like you'll have many more opportunities to find top flight receivers in the second, third, fourth. There'll be receivers who will be found in the fifth round of this draft who who go to Pro Bowls. Ooh, that's an interesting take. Uh, do you think this uh, year's receiver class is uh, even deeper than last year's? People say that, but I, I think it's a better way to put it is there are – it's a different type of wide receiver draft. So you don't have as many classic X-type receivers, 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", 6'2". You have a lot of guys who are 6 feet to about 5'8", right? And <laughs> and if you're okay with that, because those guys can win on the outside. Like, there's a myth. I mean, at, Steve Smith is entered the group chat, right? It's a myth that shorter receivers can't play on the outside. But people nowadays have a tendency to automatically want to put smaller receivers in the slot. But if you're okay with a guy who's 180, 190, you know, in case of Tutu Atwell, 156 or whatever pounds, if you're okay with a smaller receiver, there are more talented receivers, but not as many classic X-type receivers. 
So if you're if you're looking for a Z or you're looking for your slot, this is maybe the deepest class I've seen in a very long time. But if you really have your heart set on a guy like the late Vincent Jackson or the aforementioned, you know, I mentioned Michael Pittman Jr. If you're looking for that guy, the guy that your first guy off the bus, Brandon Marshall, there's not a lot of Brandon Marshall types, right, in this class. Brandon Marshall was a fourth round pick, right? People forget how how Brandon Marshall was a fourth round pick at the time, even though he was this guy who ran four five two at two hundred and twenty-eight pounds and darn near six four, and he was this huge, amazing athlete. But they didn't value, first of all, UCF didn't get the kind of respect he gets now, but also people didn't value his talents, maybe the way they should have. But now I think he would go earlier because now people sort of have begun to gravitate towards the bigger, stronger, faster. Indeed, and from southwest Ohio to northeast Ohio, where the 2021 NFL draft is going to be held, the Cleveland Browns. And when you look at the Browns, in my opinion, they have a top 10 NFL roster right now. And with them <laughs> signing to that, in my opinion, I mean, I was just prepared for the show, just looking at their roster. I mean, they're going to get Greedy Williams uh, back. He, he battled injury muscle last year. They're going to get Grant Delpit back. We'll be like getting a, a you know, a, a second-round pick. He didn't play at all. And then you add whoever they draft this year. This could be a top-six roster. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy how they're good and they're deep, David. Yeah, it—, it... Oh, absolutely. They could have a top six roster, especially if they hit all the right notes uh, in this draft. And with them signing Genevieve Clowney today, it opens up countless doors for them in the first round. They could still go edge, given uh, Clowney's deal is just for this year, and uh, Miles Garrett does need a long-term playmate on the opposite side. But they could also go corner, wide receiver. Keep in mind, uh, Odell Beckham Jr., he's a guy who can't necessarily trust to stay healthy. And as Benjamin Albright said today, don't sleep on offensive line for the Browns again in round one, especially considering the fact that Jack Conklin's contract expires after this season. What do you think is the best way for the Browns to kick off this draft? Well, they can literally afford to go best player available, right? So it depends on what happens ahead of them. But if Rashawn Slater's just sitting there somehow, like, how do you not take it? Of course. <laughs> um, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it, I mean, there's way, there's things that happen every year that people say can't happen. Oh, so-and-so won't be there, right? But they are. Things happen every year. So if a great wide receiver is there for them, why wouldn't you do that? If there's a great pass rusher there for them, right? If, if somehow Jalen Phillips is just sitting there right in front of them, how do they not take him? So... They really can just afford to play the board. They're they're in the position that guys like Belichick are normally in, right? Where <laughs> where you don't have to worry about filling needs. You're just saying I'm going to take the player that's highest on my board. I don't ever. Uh, I'm going to quote once again the the great uh, coach Brian Billick, who said, "Need is a terrible evaluator of talent." They don't have to say, "Oh my God, we need." No, they can say, "This is the guy we like best." So they can go whatever direction they like. I don't think they'll go running back. But pretty much anything else is in play. There's no other position other than like specialists, like puncher, place kicker, and long snapper. But other than that, those positions and running back, I think every other position is all the offensive line positions are in play for them. Uh, they can take wide receiver if they want to, tight end if they want to. I don't think there's a tight end they have that high. But if they love the tight end, they could take him. You know, or maybe other than Kyle Pitts, who isn't. Once again, people say won't be there. But what happens if somebody <laughs> up and needs something else? Crazy things happen in the draft, David. 
Crazy things indeed happen in the draft, and that is why I cannot wait to get past lying season in this next week and a half, man. I'm just so sick and tired of hearing all the endless lies coming from every front office and every analyst. Just can't wait till we get to the cold hard truth on April 29th. And from the new Browns to the old Browns, and when I say the old Browns, of course I mean the Baltimore Ravens. And the Ravens also have one of the NFL's deeper, more complete rosters, but two glaring holes that stand out to me at least are the lack of a true go-to wide receiver and the lack of a true lead dog edge rusher and if you're Eric DaCosta the Ravens general manager a very excellent talent evaluator would your number one priority in this draft be to get the former to help Lamar Jackson take that next crucial step as a passer or the latter to help your defense well it sort of is like what I just said this is a wide receiver class where you don't have to panic you can find there's gonna be really good receivers found Day three, the top-level pass rushers, there's not that many of. They need pass rush. Now, people are mocking Zayvon Collins, and I love Zayvon Collins. And I'm not saying he can't rush the passer, but that's not really his forte. If you, if you love Zayvon Collins, you take him anyway, right? And you figure out, yeah, you know, other things. But if there is a terrific if, – if Aziz Ojolari, whoever it is that they like, is still there, you know, or if somehow Jalen Phillips makes it to them, which once again sh- should not happen, but it can, then you once again you you know you you hurdle over people to get to the podium and say yes, I'll take this guy right here, uh, and don't sleep on them taking a secondary player. Uh, I mean, they they are a team that could add in multiple places and it could help them. They could be a team that decides to go tight end, even though they have a very good tight end. They're a team that likes to play with two tight end sets. And no offense to Max Williams and other guys who've been the other guy, but you could upgrade that position as well if there's one that they like who's still there. So they're another team that doesn't have too many needs. They have a couple of needs, you just mentioned, but they can afford also to go with best player available. And that's exactly what the Baltimore Ravens do. Ozzie Newsom did all the time, and Eric DaCosta, who studied under him for many years, has done the same thing so far in his tenure. And on to the uh, reigning AFC North champion, Pittsburgh Steelers. And on one of our recent episodes of this Dash of the Draft Divisional Tour, our friend Cole Thompson mentioned the Steelers as a good fit for Mac Jones. And since this is probably uh, Ben Roethlisberger's final year in Pittsburgh, if not the entire NFL, it would be prudent for the Steelers to think long and hard about Mac Jones, especially if he falls toward the mid-teens, which is very possible. Heck, I would argue it's likely. I don't buy the garbage of him going at three to the 49ers. I think it's going to be Lancer Fields at three, either one of them. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Falcons uh, took uh, whichever one what was still available at four. And uh, But that's for another episode. But say that scenario does come to pass and Mac Jones does fall toward the mid-teens, you do have the Washington football team who also is reportedly interested in him. And if the Steelers believe in Mac Jones, do you think they should try to trade up in front of Washington? No. I mean, for two reasons. One is I truly believe this team is trying to make one more run at winning the Super Bowl. And not that they don't care about the future. I don't want to make it. But they're they're really trying to find players that will help them to win now. And I think you're going to see offensive line addressed because – the days where Ben Roethlisberger wears three defenders and throws a ball 32 yards down the field are gone. They know that they now need to build a wall, right? A term is a term that got dated about a little too much. Uh, not too long ago. But they, they need to, the wall they need to uh, build is made of 300 pound human beings who are athletic. And 
I don't know if you've noticed, if you checked the roster recently, but, uh, you know, uh, Captain Villanueva is not coming through that door anymore. Uh, I mean, they've got Zach Banner, who is a competitive, tough right tackle, but not a top, 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 top tier left uh, right tackle. Uh, Chuck Wuma Okorafor, who is a athletic prospect with a little less than ideal technique and length. I wouldn't mind switching him to the right, maybe kicking Zach inside and finding a real left tackle, uh, a a top-tier left tackle. And then the depth behind their offensive linemen scare me quite a bit. Uh, It's a a who's who of who. Uh, Jaron Jones, Brandon Walton, um, Aviante Collins. Joe Haig is, you know, not terrible, but... These are not guys. If somebody goes down, you you don't you don't feel great about starting any of them. So, depth on offensive line and just front starters on offensive line, quite frankly, I think have to be pushed up. And here's a a position that I think people aren't talking about enough is tight end. When their offense is at its best, they have a tight end who's not just a good pass receiver, but going back to the Heath Miller and, and days in before, a guy who's a terrific blocker. If they have a chance to get a, a true full-service tight end who is not a great receiver but a great guy who can help you in the run game as a blocker and, of course, as a pass protector, I wouldn't be shocked, probably not the first, but if somewhere in the first two or three picks, I wouldn't be shocked if they went tight end. He is Bill Carroll, ladies and gentlemen, of Nuts and Bolts Sports. Follow him on Twitter at 11Bravo138. That is the word 11, E-L-E-V-E-N, Bravo the digit one, the digit three, digit eight. Uh, he's one of the best football followers on Twitter, folks. And now, time for our favorite part of the program, a three-round mock draft for all four of the AFC North teams using the Draft Network's mock draft machine. We start with the Cincinnati Bengals, who obviously have the fifth overall pick, as we just uh, mentioned. And uh, let's see who's still available. Um, oh, all the four quarterbacks are gone. And uh, Pede Sewell and Jamar Chase is still on the board. But you mentioned go Pede Sewell. You got to protect Joe Burrow first and foremost. We're going to make Pede Sewell the pick at five. And uh, you mentioned Pede Sewell's being an asset in the run game. This whole division is based on the run game. Uh, you, uh, you need to kind of beat the Ravens and the Steelers. Uh, and the Browns at their own game, which is running the football. That's exactly what the Bagels need to do to uh, ma- match better pound for pound with these teams. Yep. And, and I would just – here's the thing I'll say real briefly about the whole conference. You said it's a tough conference, but the the I mean, division, I should say, but the, the AFC North, uh, they like to hit your quarterback, right? I mean, everybody likes that, but, I mean, they, there's – they, when people build their defenses, they always build their defense thinking about, yeah, the run is important, but they want to hit your quarterback. The best way, once again, other than just being great at pass blocking, but also if you run the ball well, it takes the steam out of the pass rush and it forces them to worry about, you know, protecting against the run. That's Joe Burrow is your quarterback for hopefully 15 years, right? Mm-hmm. But it can't. And once again, I love Jamar Chase, but who's throwing the ball to Jamar Chase if he, if once again somebody is knocking the living daylights out of your quarterback? So, yes, Sewell, I 100%. And uh, lots of options here with the 38th overall pick of the second round. Uh, you got some good interior offensive linemen selling the board if you want to double dip at offensive line. Landon Dickerson, if you want to take a chance, give it uh, his health history at this point in the draft. Uh, I think it may be worth the squeeze here. 
But uh, you also got two uh, solid tackles if you want to double dip a tackle with Liam Eikenberg and Dylan Radins. And uh, interior offensive line, uh, the Bengals haven't had that much luck at center with Billy Price, uh, Creed Humphrey, or if you want to stay in state, Wyatt Davis. Uh, and the wide receivers available, Rondale Moore, a uh, home run hitter from Purdue, or uh, Trevor Lawrence, top target uh, from Clemson, Amari Rogers. Uh, yeah. What do you think, uh, Bill? I'm stuck. Well, so, Rondale, yeah, it's, there, there's so many good options there. Even even Leatherwood might be there as, as, as well. But if you've got a chance to get Rondale Moore, he's a guy who can do so many things. He's going to, first of all, you're going to now have a very dangerous return game, right? He's going to be a terrific punt. I mean, the kickoff return has been sort of de-emphasized by the rule changes, but a terrific punt returner. He's going to be able to play in the slot, and I think he can play outside. People love to sort of knock his size, but you saw his leaping ability, his explosiveness. He, he's going to moss some people despite being a, a rather short individual because he's just so freakishly explosive. And you can just throw on those little wide receiver screens or those little touch passes, right? Little whoop. He's going to take one of those. He's going to take one or two of those to the house where the ball travels 14 inches, and he's going to take one of those those 72 yards. Uh, So he may not run the quote-unquote whole route tree, and he didn't. But both these guys haven't. Let's not lose sight of the fact that with the exception of a handful of guys, most of them have not run the full route tree. I mean, there's Amon Ross, St. Brown, and a couple others who've shown they can run pretty much the whole route tree, but that's the exception, not the rule. Rondell Moore, I called him the mutant love child of Darren (laughs) Sproles and Eric Metcalf, and that's what you're getting. You're getting a guy who, like Sproles, is a 500-plus-pound squat guy. They cut him off at 565, David. No one knows how much Rondell Moore can squat, but they stopped him at 565. Damn. Okay? Yeah. He was the strongest player on their team. Wow. I'm not joking. Look it up. He was the strongest player (laughs) on Purdue's football team. That's also an incredibly fast, explosive wide receiver, but a powerhouse. So, yes. You take Rondo Moore and you pat yourself on the back and try to hurt yourself doing so. Oh, fascinating. And uh, Alex Leatherwood is indeed still available here, but uh, should we go with that mutant child of Darren Sproles and Eric Metcalf here? He is a special athlete. So despite the fact that he's small and people like to sort of hit on that, you know, how big is Tyreek Hill? I mean, like I keep looking back to the fact that when you have a rare athlete, Somebody who's in a world of freaks, who is a freak amongst the freaks, take the freak amongst the freaks. So we're going to go with Rondale Moore with the Bengals' second-round pick at 38 overall in this uh, three-round mock. And uh, the board uh, is uh, quickly filling up here as we go to the Bengals' third-round choice. But to recap, we got Panay Sewell and Rondale Moore so far for the Cincinnati Bengals in this mock draft. And that would be an ideal haul in two rounds for uh, Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow. And uh, pick 69 is uh, coming up. Let's see. The board is uh, clearing up here. And... We have arrived at pick 69, and the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, you got Pete Werner still on the board, although a linebacker isn't as pressing of a need for them. Uh, Josh Myers from Ohio State, if they want more interior offensive line help, you could get him. Uh, You got uh, Peyton Turner, an edge from Houston. Uh, Spencer Brown, an interesting offensive tackle from Northern Iowa, if you want to double-dip a tackle here. Um... Stone Forsyth out of Florida. Uh, 
still available. Uh, he but, should be available two rounds later. Also, um, I keep going, but I, right now I'm leaning Turner. But keep going. Yeah, Amon Ray St. Brown, if you want to double dip at wide receiver, like uh, he and uh, T. Higgins could be your bookends with uh, Tyler Boyd in the slot and Rondell Moore as a, a gadget and re- returner. Or, uh, uh, But uh, given the receivers they'll have on their roster with Rondell Moore, that might not be the wisest investment here. But Peyton Turner at edge, uh, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a need honest, for them. That's where I would go, yes. Yeah, Peyton Turner. Uh, what makes Peyton Turner such good value here in your view? Two things. Uh, he is another player where the future is extremely bright. Uh, he is a incredibly nimble athlete. He he put up shuttle and three cone times that would have been good from a hundred and eighty five pound wide receiver, right? And he's a two hundred sixty nine pound defensive end. Uh, he is a long armed, uh, you know, very fluid athlete. And if you watched his best games, and he had some of his best games against a high-level competition, Houston played a pretty tough schedule, not so much this year, but the year prior, uh, you know, when things were quote-unquote normal. And you got to see him play against teams in the Big 12 and SEC and things like that. And he had really good days in the office against, you know, playing up in competition. I think that he has a chance to end up being one of the top five or six defensive ends in this entire class like when it's all said and done he's he has his career going he's a guy that thinks he'll be making two or three pro bowls yeah the uh, Bengals definitely need that edge after trading away carlos dunlap last year they need a long-term mayor at that position and peyton turner could indeed be that guy and now on to the cleveland browns and they are on the clock now with the 26th overall pick and uh uh, let's see who's available. Jeremiah Wusu koromoa is still available, although I don't think he's uh, the necessarily the best player on the board. Quiddy Pay, an edge from Michigan. Zavid Collins, your man, still on the board here. They need a chair defensive lineup. You got Christian Barmore uh, available. Uh, uh, Jamin Davis. Uh, Jason Owe, an edge from Penn State. Uh, Landon Dickerson. Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech could be excellent value here. Uh, Kadarius Tony is the best wide receiver on the board. Or if you want uh, uh, a uh, right tackle, you got uh, Samuel Cosme, or Dylan Radins, or uh, Alex Letterwood here. So many options for the Cleveland Browns. If you're Andrew Barry, what are you thinking with these options on the board here? If if the other GMs have been so foolish as to allow me a chance at Caleb Farley, that's it. Like we we can stop discussing at that point. Like, that's a no-brainer to me. Uh, Caleb Farley is a guy that if not for, uh, one, I guess to some extent the opt-out, but two, uh, the fact that he had, a, 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 I want to say a minor surgery. My, as the old joke goes, a minor surgery is somebody else's surgery. But um, it, a microdisectomy is not the kind of thing that ends up sidelining someone's career. Uh, so he should be ready to go. If not by training camp, then, you know, he'll be ready to go by day one. He he has rare ability. A guy who came to playing corner fairly late was a terrific wide receiver, converted over, still has all the wide receiver skills. Uh, he's big. He's fast. He's pretty. I mean, if you like that, like his actual technique is really good, despite being fairly new to playing corner. Uh, I think he's, to me, he's the number one corner in the class. J.C. Horn is right there, and I love Greg Newman. And, and obviously, Asante Samuel's there in the mix as well. But the one that I think has the best chance to be a superstar still to me is Caleb Farley. 
Caleb Farley is indeed the pick for the Browns at 26 in this mock. And the Browns have some options at 59 in terms of edge. You got Joseph Asai from Texas, Boogie Basham from Wake Forest still on the board. Uh, they need some more beef on the interior defensive line. And uh, you got uh, Milton Williams from Louisiana Tech still available here. And uh, in terms of wide receiver, uh, Amonre St. Brown is still available along with Dwayne Eskridge and Nico Collins. So those are plentiful options for the Browns here. Yeah, that's a nice bunch of options. <laughs> um and you said amongst the offensive tackles, was Cosme still there or not? Uh, no, Brady Christensen is still here, though. Okay, Christensen. I mean, he's the kind of guy I think you can wait a little bit longer for. Uh, and then amongst interior offensive linemen, you named? Uh, it, you... Interior offensive lineman uh, Quinn Miners is still available. Miners, I like him a lot. But I think... Oh, Jalen uh, Mayfield is still available. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well, then that's the pick. If Mayfield's still available, yes, that'll do. Uh, yeah, do you think uh, he's uh, a guard of the NFL, or do you think uh, he could play tackle? Most people think he's a guard. I, I think, right, I, I, I agree as well. I think you you line him up at tackle, you know, a few times in practice and see how it goes and see how he handles guys like, you know. I mean, they have some good guys to <laughs> test the guy out on. Hey, would you like to go up against Miles Garrett in one-on-one? Have at it. Oh, okay, you did okay with that, or did you? Well, hey, take a run at. Uh, I mean, like they have a nice bunch of pass rushers now, right? So, here's our second best pass rusher, who was the first pick overall in his draft, right? How crazy is that? So, uh, yeah, you'll find out pretty quickly if he's able to hang to handle playing tackle at the NFL level, and then if not, yeah, you kick him inside. And now with the 89th overall pick, the first of two third round picks for the Browns. Uh, you got Tylen Wallace from Oklahoma State. If you want a home run hitter on your offense, uh, Tylen Wallace could be the guy. Um, and uh, you got uh, Paulson Adebo, corner, Elijah Griffin, corner. Uh, Hunter Long, a tight end for Boston College, although they don't need help at tight end. Uh, no, it's, in terms of the uh, interior defensive line, Marlon Tui Pelotu from USC is still available. Yeah, okay. Um, Jay Tefele out of USC is still yeah, another, here. Get another tackle from USC, yeah. Um, uh, if you want a linebacker, you got Cameron McGrone from Michigan still yeah. still here. Uh, yes, sir. Okay, go on. Uh, but uh, in terms of uh, they need more help at wide receiver, Tylen Wallace yeah. is the best player on the board, at least oh, the board oh, right. I'm looking oh, at. Oh, right. I was about to say, of the options offered, Tylen Wallace to me is a clear, clear choice there. And what you love about him is he can play all of the wide receiver positions. Now, once again, people will point out the you know, shred them and shred them offense and you know, things they do at Oklahoma State. But those are also things that now are being done at the NFL level. Uh, he has – I've seen him run a good variety of double moves. You know, he runs digs. He runs – obviously, everyone runs slants and, you know, deep crosses. I've seen him look good on, you know, hitch and goes. I've seen him look good on some of the slant and goes and little, little uh, you know, little, uh, you know, stick nods and, and beat people. I've seen him beat people with speed. I've seen him beat people. He's dealt with the jam a little bit. Obviously, not as much because there's not a lot of teams that jam in the Big 12. 
But yes, bring me Tylen Wallace. I think he's going to be terrific. Yeah, Tylen Wallace is the pick at 89, and the Bengals are back on the clock right now at 91 overall, and uh, they still need a long-term uh, bookend to Miles Garrett, and the best edge on the board is Jordan Smith out of UAB. And uh, but if you want to go and cheer defensive line here, you got Jay Tefele and Marlon Tuipolotu, both from USC, still on the board. Um, I think those are the two biggest long-term needs for the Browns. Uh, yep. uh, or if you want a linebacker, the best linebacker available is Cameron McGrone from Michigan. I like all those players, but to me, the best of them is Jay Tefele. Yeah, Jay Tufele, should he be the pick here at 91? That's the one I would go with, yes. Yeah, um, uh, what does he bring to the Browns on day one? So, while he's not a terrific interior pass rusher, and there's not a lot of those, frankly, in this entire draft class, and that's why some people are down on this tackle class. Even though it's a good tackle class, people are looking for that Warren Sapp, John Randall. Like, there's, that guy isn't here. <laughs> if you're looking for the guy who's a terrific interior pass rusher, I think Davian Nixon is probably the closest. Uh, but a lot of the guys are solid, do-everything tackles. And that describes actually both the USC guys. But I think Tefele gives you a little more go, right? A little more, you know, I don't know, sex appeal. What, pick a term you like. Uh, he's a little more athletic. He's a little more loose. And he's quicker. So while I don't think he'll ever be a guy that's going to, you know, put up Jarrell Casey or whatever, like terrific interior pass rush numbers or pressure numbers, He'll give you good, consistent push, and he'll be very good against the run. And now on to the old round, so to say, the Baltimore Ravens. And uh, this mock draft machine is uh, off to a slower-than-usual start, but uh, we're creeping towards the 27th overall pick for the Baltimore Ravens. And they have come on the clock. And uh, when you look at the Ravens, uh, uh, Zaven Collins and Jeremiah Wuskoromoa still on the board, uh, as well as Christian Barmore. But if they want an edge, Jason Owe. Now, he is a, a prospect uh, that uh, is a super freak athletically, but his uh, production at college was underwhelming. But, but his disruption was not underwhelming. And he's already pretty decent against the run. He's the best edge yeah. still on the board. Uh, in terms of wide receivers still available, uh, you got Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss. He's a, a speedy guy, and the Ravens well, like their wide receivers as a track unit with Lamar Jackson, so he would make sense if they wanted to go wide receiver here. Or Kadarius Toney out of Florida, or Terrace Marshall out of LSU. If you want that big guy that could go up and get the ball, climb the ladder, he's he could be that guy. And... Uh, in terms of edge of wide receiver, uh, some interesting choices here. But if you want BPA, Owusu Koromoa, Zavid Collins, or even Christian Barmore out of Alabama. The one that feels the most like a Ravens pick is Christian Barmore. <laughs> um, like if you think about sort of their, their, their draft room, right, and how they operated, he definitely feels like a Raven pick. Uh, the player I like best of that group is Zavid Collins. So if it's me... I'm taking Zayvon Collins. The, but if the, if it's the actual Ravens in the actual draft and those players are all available, I think the actual Ravens in the actual draft would take Barmore. So should we go with Christian Barmore or Zayvon Collins? Um, well, I guess it comes down to are we trying to do what I would do or do what they would do? Do what, what you would do. What would you oh, do? I'm taking Zayvon Collins. I just think he's 
to me, you look for the players that do things that no one else can do. Zayvon Collins is maybe the most versatile defensive player in the entire draft. I mean, he's a guy who has, I think, five and a half sacks, four uh, interceptions, another six or seven passes defensed. He's forced a couple of fumbles or covered a couple of fumbles. Has two pick sixes, I think. Uh, he's a really rare athlete with the mix of things he do. And I, I compared him a little bit to uh, Erlacher. I mean, yeah, he's a guy he that has a, a rare combination of size, athletic ability, and football IQ. I just think he has a chance to be an absolute star. And there's not that many guys playing linebacker in this class that I think could be stars. I think Barmar's going to be a solid player, but I don't think he's going to be a star. And on to the second round here. We got Davia Nixon from Iowa. If we want to uh, get a long-term heir to Calais Campbell and Derek Wolf, Pat Fryermuth from Penn State. If uh, you can't re-sign Mark Andrews, he could be a good value here. Or if uh, you want to go pure edge, Boogie Basham is still on the board from uh, Wake Forest. And uh, in terms of wide receivers that are still available, uh, Nico Collins is the best one on the board. But uh, if you want more people in your secondary, you got Richie Grant out of UCF or Elijah Molden out of Washington. Or J uh, J Jamar Johnson uh, from Indiana is still available too. Or Asante Samuel Jr. or Aaron Robinson. Oh, Asante Samuel. Okay, this is hard. This might be the toughest one yet, actually. <laughs> there's about two or three players I would like, oh. But the one I, the one I would go with is Boogie Basham. Uh, because... He, I mean, look at what they got out of Pernell McPhee, and I think he's essentially a slightly better version of Pernell McPhee. I think you're getting a, a guy who, if you want him to stand up, could do that a little bit. I think he's, you know, best used going forward, but he can do a little bit of everything. He can even go inside. I mean, he's a, even though he's not huge, he, he's very strong, very good with his hands. <clears throat> In your special, pack, special packages, he can rush from the interior. Really good player. Yes, and uh, the Ravens love multiplicity on that front, and uh, Basham and, and Zayvon Collins would be excellent additions to that defense. And uh, we are coming up at the Ravens' uh, third-round pick, which is at the tail end of the third round, which is their compensatory selection at 104 overall. And we are there. And let's see who's still available. Uh, uh, yeah, they don't need a running back. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell and Trey Sermon, we're not going to consider you. Don't need interior defensive line help. Uh, uh, Ardarius Washington, a safety from TCU, he is still available. Uh, if you want uh, interior offensive line help, you got Deontay Brown from Alabama. Definitely a, a, a Ravens player. He's a big guy who uh, is pretty nimble for a big guy, and uh, he could uh, pancake a lot of defenders. Uh right. Um, you got Andre Sisco, a safety out of Syracuse. That they need safety help, and uh, with Ardarius Washington and Andre Sisco uh, at, at this juncture of the draft, I think those two are pretty good value here. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely like Sisco. Sisco's a strong candidate. Um, you said Nico Collins, and I, I don't dislike Nico Collins. Uh, Nico Collins is gone now. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Well, then never mind. Um, <laughs> never mind. Uh, and then who did you mention about some offensive linemen? Uh, offensive linemen, uh, Deontay Brown, interior offensive lineman. Okay. Or Aaron Banks out of Notre Dame. Okay. Both good, solid players. But of the players you mentioned, Andre Sisco is the one I'd go with. 
So, so it's a very defensive kind of draft, but they like defense. Yeah, typical Ravens defensive draft uh, with David Collins, Boogie Basham, and Andre Sisco. And uh, 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 Benjamin Albright uh, has Andre Sisco as one of so his guys, so to speak, in this draft. Uh, why do you think a lot of the people, at least in the draft Twitter community, like Andre Sisco? Well, he's a playmaker, first of all. I mean, there's there's something about guys that the football finds them or they find the football, however you want to think of it. It's a combination of, one, high football IQ, guys that, that find things on tape and file them away for future reference, right? They remember, oh, on this situation, on third and eight, out of this three-by-one, they like to, to run you know, a switch release here and you know, try to get a high-low here, and I need to you know, sort of trap them by looking like I'm taking this guy and then falling back in coverage on that guy, and boom, I get an interception. He does that kind of thing, right? He, he manipulates quarterbacks into giving him a chance to, inter- to intercept the football. You, you can't help but like that. And they had a guy like that in Ed Reed. He's not Ed Reed. Don't, don't, get me, don't get me wrong. But I'm saying that he has some of the same thought processes that made Ed Reed great. Uh, I think he's going to be one of the better uh, safeties in this class. And I love Darius Washington, who's, you know, I was an undersized safety myself, so I always <laughs> feel something special for the undersized safeties. But, <laughs> but if you get a chance to get Andre Sisco you pretty much have to. And our Darius Washington, I think largely due to his size, may still be there in the fourth. So you might be able to get both of them. But um, but yeah, I would definitely go with Cisco, And I think Cisco's going to be a starter. If not year one, then year two. Yes, and one thing that the Ravens prioritize in the draft are people with histories of playmaking and production in college. And Cisco would thus be a typical Ravens defensive pick, especially at that juncture of the draft. So now on to the Stillers. And... Uh, they uh, do need a running back, but I am not a fan of drafting running backs in the first round. you got Travis Etienne and Najee Harris staring you right in the face here. But uh, you also have an uh, uh, offensive tackle, Samuel Cosme, uh, Leah Eikenberg, or Dylan Radins, or uh, Alex Letterwood uh, still available. And if you want to go corner... Uh, uh, we can't give them Caleb Farley because we already gave Caleb Farley to the Browns, but you got Eric Stokes out of Georgia and uh, uh, and Kelvin Joseph from Kentucky, but I don't think the value is good here. Those are, to me, those are both second-rounders, but yeah. yes, they're, they're good players. Yeah, but uh, with Travis Etienne and Najee Harris uh, staring you in the face, uh, the Steelers love to run the ball, but uh, that said, the value for running back is not the best here at 24 overall and uh yeah of the players presented i would go with cosme uh i would i would love for at least one of the other tackles you know to fall down maybe but if if they've been a run on tackles and it might well be a run on tackles like i in some of the mocks i've done i've had runs on tackles right in the middle of the first so you may end up with a lot of the top tackles already being gone if that's the case then i would go with samuel cosme who is the you know my number five tackle but he's a good one uh, yeah, Samuel Cosby, a very promising athletic freak, but do you think he might need a year in the fermentation chamber? Well, yes, ideally, and he might be your swing tackle at first, but he's going to play some. I mean, one, because guys get hurt, right? If case, you know, football's football, guys get hurt. But two, you can't play every single snap. I mean, like, you, it's a tough sport, and... These offensive tackles, it's sort of like we talk about the, the old joke about what's it like being an NFL corner. You go up against the best athletes 
on a football field, and some of them are some are literally world class athletes like Tyreek Hill, and you do everything that you you try to stop them from doing everything they're doing, but doing it backwards, right? So that's what you're sort of talking about when you talk about tackles. You're saying you're facing these freak, 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 freak athletes, right? We talked about OA and all these other guys, but you have to try to stop them while you're moving backwards. So if you can get an injection of talent like Cosme, even if he's not ready to play immediately, you just, once again, don't pass up talent, right? Um, you have to take players that have chances to be great as opposed to just guys that fit an immediate need. Or you shouldn't, I'll put it that way. It's like, once again, don't go shopping when you're hungry. You'll end up with Slim Jims and Funyuns. <laughs> So Samuel Cosby is the pick at 24. And uh, what uh, my friend Nick Kendall mentioned on our Offensive Tackle special is uh, that uh, Samuel Cosby and Adil Fitzgerald would be in an offense that has uh, the quarterback in the shotgun and throws very quick passes out to the sidelines. And uh, based on the offensive line the Steelers have this year and ben being uh, where Ben Roethlisberger is at this point in his career, Samuel Cosby makes perfect sense. He makes perfect sense. And that's what the Steelers' offense is now. Uh, I know, I mean, once again, he was a Steelers fan, especially been a Steelers fan since, you know, the 70s. The days of just watching, um, you know, uh, 20-something power runs a game and then six or seven deep shots off play action and then some throws to your tight end. Those days are gone. This is a passing offense that is basically a spread them and shred them offense. And they need, but they still need to protect, right? Yeah, um, it still takes some amount of time to get the ball out. And once again, Ben Roethlisberger is not the point anymore where he's going to run around and create or where he's going to be dragging, you know, 600 pounds of, of defensive player around with him throwing the ball down the field. Those days are gone. And get this. We are on the clock again at 55 with the Steelers, and Alex Leatherwood is still available. And if you want to double-dip a tackle, we could go with Alex Leatherwood here. And in terms of corner, which is their number one need, at least according to the guys at the draft number, he got Asante Samuel Jr. still on oh. the board. So oh. uh, Alex Leatherwood or Asante Samuel here at 55? Oh, well, if Asante Samuel Jr. is somehow still there, then, you know, once again, what are we talking about? Let's do that. Yes, yes. Yeah, Asante uh, Asante Samuel Jr. for the Steelers, and uh, he is obviously the son of Asante Samuel, the great uh, playmaker corner for the Patriots and the Steelers. Uh, how does he compare to his father as a prospect? He's not quite the same risk taker, which is good and bad, um, in that he's not going to get some of those pick sixes and things like that his father did, because his father was one of the great gamblers in NFL history. But he's also going to give up some of the places his father gave up. Uh, Asante Samuel was also a, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, cautious tackler might be the term I'm looking for. Uh, his son seems to be a little more willing to throw his body around, so he's a better tackler. Uh, but he doesn't quite have his father's, right, I mean, ability to just change direction immediately and get his hands on balls. But he's a really good corner, and I think he's going to have a, a really long NFL career. I just don't think he's going to have as many picks as his dad, because his dad was, like I said, one of the great you know, gamblers out there. He took a lot of chances. And now on to 87 overall, the final pick in this uh, series of AFC North mocks. And the Steelers, uh, they need a running back, and a pretty good one is still on the board. And Michael Carter from North Carolina. Nice. Is and, Kenny Gainwell also still around, perhaps? Um, Kenneth Gainwell, yes. Both Michael Carter and Kenneth Gainwell are still 
on the board. And uh, But if you want to do a double dip on the offensive line in general, you got Josh Myers from Ohio State on the board, and the Steelers love their Buckeyes. They do. One last question about running backs, because there's a lot of running backs I like at this point in the draft. Is uh, Khalil Herbert from Virginia Tech also still available? Uh, let's see. Khalil Herbert. Yes. I think I like he is. Uh, yes, yes, he is. Khalil Herbert like is still them. available. I like them all. Um, Gainwell is a guy who has terrific hands and is sort of a made-to-order third down back. And then, you know, in, in Carter, you have a guy who has great short area explosiveness and change of direction, but probably isn't built to be the guy. But Khalil Herbert probably is the best mix of those guys we're talking about of everything. He's faster than people think he is. Uh, he's played, I mean, he spent, you know, obviously three years in Kansas where he and Puka Williams made an interesting backfield tandem. Um, but he was the power guy. But you could see he's got more than just power. He's got vision. He's got speed. He's got pretty decent hands, too. I would go with Herbert because he just has more of everything to work with. Uh, as much as I love Kenny Gamewell, it kind of hurts me to leave him on the board. Uh, but, but yeah, I would take Herbert just because he's, he can take more carries than Gamewell can. And uh, do you think he could take more carries than Michael Carter? Yeah. Um, I think one of the things I've, I've loved about Herbert, in fact, is his durability. Uh, he played behind an offensive line I can best describe as substandard at Kansas, uh, to be kind. And then he got to Virginia Tech, where it was a better offensive line, obviously, than in Kansas. And you saw him just flourish. But he was still good, even when he was playing behind an offensive line that had maybe one NFL-level player on it. And Adekeji uh, uh, Adeniji, right, who is, I think, now a Brown, was the only offensive lineman he played behind at Kansas who was NFL quality. He's now in a better situation, was in a better situation at Virginia Tech. But he can do everything. He's got good really good athletic ability. Like he's a better athlete than people realize, but he's a tough guy. He can take a lot of carries. He is Bill Carroll, ladies and gentlemen, nutsandboltsports.com. Follow him on Twitter at 11bravo138. Bill, thank you so much once again for joining us. And that's it for today here on Sports Crutch. But our Dash to the Draft official tour around the NFL proceeds from the AFC North to the NFC North very soon. So stay tuned. But in the meantime, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as my blog at sportscrunch.com. And remember, that is Crunch with a K. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sports crunch so we can improve our itunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests like bill and you can also follow me on instagram and twitter at dcrom 59 for bill carroll this is david cromwell saying so long and as usual wear a mask over your nose wash your hands social distance stay awesome stay safe and when it's your turn please get whatever COVID-19 vaccine is available to you. They are all safe and effective so we could all pack every football stadium in America in September. Thank you very much, everybody.